0: Let me begin this episode with a funny incident that happened many months ago. It was a typical campus hire conversation where the person was shortlisted for the final round and me and a couple of more leaders were interviewing this person. So that's the background. So the conversation goes something like this. He like, oh, said, you look, uh, I, I think, uh, could you give us a couple of more reasons why we should hire you? After a little pause, this person says so you should hire me because I have a back problem I said what <laughs> we looked at each other me and my other colleagues and it, is he, does he know what he's saying and he said excuse me he said yes sir you should hire me because I have a back problem but should you take rest or medication I asked he said yeah that part is done I can manage I said, oh okay and we, again me and my colleagues looked at each other and but you know, these are these unspoken exchanges that we understand immediately having, you know, spent long time interviewing each other. So we know that this person needs a break. So we respond that, uh, you know what? I think we should revisit this in six months time. Okay. To which he promptly replied, no, sir, I am the best fit for this role right now. But you have a back problem. And this job requires you to sit and make phone calls to customer for almost nine hours. How would you manage that? <laughs> there was a pause. Then suddenly this person spoke again. So I have a back problem, so I won't sit, but I can stand for hours and make calls. It gives me better flexibility to express myself. <laughs> and we were like completely taken aback. Now fast forward a year, year and a half. If I remember correctly, this person goes on to win the most valuable play, MVP for the highest revenue for the previous year. Personally, I can I can say that there is no greater joy than to see that you've been proven wrong and that your hire has done exceedingly well at times, even better than what you had expected. But there are many times where some of these stunts often don't get pulled off and you don't land up getting the job, isn't it? Hasn't that been the case for many of you? So I've been getting a lot of feedback on what is it that we need to do to get that sales role. So this is this episode I'm going to dedicate for all the gaps and the mistakes that sales leaders spot during the interview when interview exchanges happen. Right, So if you are a sales rep or a sales manager applying for a sales role in an organization uh, and There are these typical classical questions that go back and forth and you think that you've done a good job, you've answered the questions correctly, yet somehow that job eludes you somewhere. Somebody else gets it and you kind of scratch your head and say, what else could I have done? I've answered all the questions to the best of my knowledge ability and I come from a relevant background. Why is it that I didn't get the job? So fret no more. In this episode today, I am going to share some of the classical interview mistakes that job seekers do while applying for a sales role purely from a leadership perspective and so you know what you say and how it is interpreted at the other end of the table and the way i'm going to do it is break it down into three simple parts the run-up to the job interview what are the three or four mistakes that commonly happen and occur that you can avoid then the action that happens during the interview, what are the common mistakes that happen and what you can think and rethink about. And then post the interview. For all you know, you're probably doing everything correctly and it's just one of those days or situations where someone else had something different and then you didn't land the job. Don't be disheartened by that. But in the event, you find that some of the small tweaks that we mention and share in the course of this conversation apply to you, then try and make that change. Who knows, maybe the next time you could land that dream job that you were always ready for. So the first three things that come to my mind is, number one, select all and apply. Same resume for all roles. Number two, unread, JD, job description, people do not read the full job description. And number three, not a sales resume, no numbers, only job descriptions and job titles. Let me dive into each point very briefly. Number one, select all apply. I have probably seen 30, 40 or 50% I'd say of the times where people have applied. They have just one resume and they keep on applying. And this is very evident when some of these job seekers apply over a period of time. So they got rejected the first time then after six or seven months they reapply and then again after a three, four months time they somehow think we should apply again. Each time they send the same resume for different job description, job uh, titles. As in for first time it, they applied for sales executive then they applied for sales manager then they applied for channel sales ma- uh, rep or something. And so each time they're resumes are the same and they have the same mistake, which we can immediately pick up. Now you might question and think, well, if my experience has not changed, then why should I change my resume? The point is you should only apply to those roles which you have relevant experience to otherwise you reduce the chances of getting a job. As simple as that, the relevance factor is very important now you've you've been an enterprise sales rep for you know better part of your work experience and suddenly there is this role which specifically requires people who have managed breadth uh, business or volume business and you have done only depth business you've not done volume business and so (laughs) Some people who manufacture that, they get found out because you've not done volume. You've only done large enterprise sales, so you uh, you can't have examples on the volume business. And then those who just don't bother, that doesn't matter, sales is sales. And so I'll do that. So these are all very tricky, thin lines. I'd strongly recommend that you apply for the role that you think are the best suited for from a relevancy standpoint. If the relevancy is low, mention that specifically in the cover note. While having done enterprise sales, I want to advance my career into mid-market and SMB to which I am willing to learn and be open with suggestions. Would you be open to considering my profile? It's an ask, right? So you can have that conversation with the, the interviewer with the recruiter at the start and say hey even before I submit you know these are all signs of good maturity that you know you understand yourself better and not like say let's take a chance and see what happens who knows maybe my resume will slip through you know those kind of things so usually they don't Uh, that's why we have such high uh, rejection ratios so make sure First part of college, do not select all and apply. And the most irritating part is when the people who do that, we ask them, well, have you read the job description? I say, no, no, tell me again. <laughs> what? No, I have. A, why did you not read? No, I have read, I forgot. <laughs> really? <laughs> and then uh, it is very uh, unprofessional. I'd say that you've applied to a role. You don't remember where you applied. That means your attention to detail is wrong and you are in a desperate situation. So these are not good signs that you are emitting. You want to come across as a professional who wants the job, but perhaps doesn't need it. And there's a thin line dividing these two things that you, it's, it's a partnership, right? It's, you have to come across as a somewhat equal partner, if you will, and not just like a pest which wants to latch on to this system, right? You want to come across as an equal partner. And I know this, I'm, I'm using the word equal a little loosely, but ideas to think that, uh, think of it as this is an employment contract. And so two parties come together, each has to offer their services and the other will uh, pay for those services. And therefore, there is a give and take. And so one has to maintain that degree of formality that this is what you're trying to do. And so having uh, a job description that you have read carefully at least remember the salient points have a excel sheet which says i've applied to these three companies or these five companies and here is what they were asking at least from a write down what job title what is the basic three or four things they need that is the homework preparation you need to do because you can't be in a situation or let's put it this way you lose the advantage of uh, of your candidature if you land up in this conversation and say, yeah, yeah, please, you know, re, uh, re-share the job description, I've completely forgotten. You've got a sorry figure and you put yourself a couple of steps back already right at the onset, you may not want to do that. Third point is, of course, not a sales resume. I come across tons and tons of people. Here's a classic example. Person's experience is five years. Guess how many pages of resume he has. In his resume, he has seven pages in a five-year experience. And I told him, "Dude, I have twenty, and I've I, no, I struggle to fill one page." He said, "Ah, you guys thought so our leaders." No, no, no. Please imagine the relevancy of the role that you're applying to. Your immediate previous role has to highlight and match that, and more importantly, present and share the data the deliverable business impact that you brought about, delivered in that role. That's what people want to hear. That's what lands you the job that, hey, here was the situation, here was the task at hand, here was the action that I took and here is the result. That's all you need to have as a stitched conversation in your interaction and your resume should state or articulate that in some way or the other instead you guys fill up the resume with tons and tons of job description i was responsible i was this i was like i don't i understand the moment you say that you are a sales manager or a sales account manager i get it you're you're applying and the person who's viewing your resume is a sales manager themselves so they get what you don't need to further define what a sales manager is. Then I have seen people who define a a paragraph about the company that they're working. Like, dude, I can find that out. I need to know which company, what job position that you were in, what was the duration, what was the location as your header. Beneath that, all you write is delivered results A, B, C, A, B, C, number, number, number. And when you say numbers, you give a comparative. I got 110% revenue. I mean, okay, so that's why you got incentive. What is the aha factor there? So I got 110% revenue, YOY, which is at least 15% better than the average floor revenue. You can succinctly put it in lesser words, but you get the drift. Give the compare. As against what? Somebody, you know, especially if you're a people manager and you want to write this line, we brought the, uh, I brought the attrition levels down to 10%. As against what? As against 25% for the previous three years. Now, oh, that is the curiosity your resume needs to evoke. Oh, how did he do that? How did she do that? Let me ask this question. And then you should have, when you are at the interview, you therefore share those conversations. And like I've always, you must have heard this multiple times from me before that the risk of, you know, repeating myself ad nauseum. The job of your resume is to get an interview. You get the job at the interview. So there are two different parts to it. So don't mix it up, right? Simple one pager showing the results of the role that you last did and make it as relevant to the role that you're applying for. That's the gap that you need to bridge in conversation in page. So don't do a select all and apply. Don't forget to read the job description right till the end. Oftentimes many job uh, descriptions have these two lines at the uh, bottom, which says you know gives you a disclaimer or gives you a very valuable piece of information you totally miss out and so don't make that mistake of not reading a job description final is of course make it look like a sales resume with numbers facts data and not just pump it with descriptions in english people don't like seeing that so this is what happens i'm sure there are many more facets to it but this is what typically we see the classic mistakes sales resumes have while they apply for sales roles in organizations. Next, part two. Let's talk about the course of the interview. What happens in during the course of the interview? There are seven points that come to my mind. As always, there could be 14 for all you care. But these seven are the top of the mind recall. So look at it. And they're no not in any particular order of hierarchy or preference or anything, but as it is. Number one is Murphy's Law about being late. When there's something important, shit happens. Number two, using V versus I. We closed 200k revenue. Like, what do you think that's, what's wrong with that statement? Think about it and I'll come back to it. Spot the faker. How do you spot someone uh, is faking it? You know, when people fake their credentials, when they... Claim larger than life presentations, which actually they have done none. We can spot them real quickly. Number four, not backing up those claims, not being able to elaborate on the results, how you achieve them. Number five, attitude without data is like DOSA without oil. You know, while sales is all about confidence. How do you differentiate positive attitude over false bravado? You know. Number six. No relevant questions, ignoring the opportunity to ask the interview relevant pertinent questions. Number seven, very poor body language, neglecting to make, make eye contact, slouching, taking calls in between, looking here and there and all those kinds of things, very annoying things. So these were the top seven, I'm sure there will be many more. So let's jump into it one at a time. is law about being late when there's something important then shit happens and you get delayed i missed the bus there was a tractor on the road it rained everything happens please do not be late for meetings i once read a billboard which said it's better to be mr late than late mister it was a ad for a soda many moons ago but uh, on a serious note right don't be late for meetings. It gives a very wrong impression that you don't you couldn't plan well. And in India, I know just to, I'm I'm being little uh, let's say considerate about this in the sense in India there are just crazy possibilities of unforeseen events, absolutely random events that can happen, and those are real. They are not excuses. And this is more to if any of your leaders. Uh, especially leaders abroad listening to this and you are uh, one of those who've been interviewing and got into a situation where somebody said I got late because there were 10 people um, having a procession in front of my house well then the person is not lying <laughs> there could well be such a situation where the road is blocked and uh, it's so chockablock that you can't go left, right, center, back you just it's a gridlock it happens but then uh, Coming back to such situations like, you know, these are few and far, right? It cannot be that every meeting you are late. You, you have to make it a habit to plan for these exigencies in advance, knowing your area, knowing your geography, do that little bit of homework before, right? Okay, I have my interview tomorrow at 7 p.m. in downtown. Now, I in mean, say, Brigade Road, MG Road area, if you're in Bangalore or say, Andheri in Mumbai or say Park Street in Calcutta or say Cyber Hub in gurgaon I'm just giving you some of the main peak areas, right? What is the most common thing in all these places? Traffic. Absolutely. So at least have that basic understanding that you will have to budget additional 35 to 40 minutes for any great, uh, you know, traffic jams that might happen over the ordinary, which normally happens if on route to that place. You normally reach there in 20 minutes on the day of the interview. Probably want to reach maybe 35 minutes in advance. So give that additional buffer of 15, 20 minutes for sure without fail. Even if it means you come early and sit around and get a little more comfortable. The other advantage of coming in early is that you get to use the washroom. Absolutely. There have been instances where I've been in uh, situations where uh, the the job seeker has excused themselves sir I need to can I go to the restroom like in the middle of the interview I mean it was so bad that the person couldn't control and, and I respect that because you can't help when you got to go you got to go but yeah coming in early A you know these locations are often way out of the charts. Sometimes uh, you, there is a roadblock. Sometimes there is a U-turn, which needs to get you and that itself. It takes another 15 minutes. Sometimes the elevator takes, okay, let me not belabor the point. You get it, right? So get in early, sit down, wash up a little bit, freshen up, get your hair done, look nice, presentable. And if you are carrying uh, a fragrance, you don't need to marinate in it. Uh, But by all means, you know, freshen up, put a little bit of nice little gentle perfume and then uh, be ready uh, for the time. So don't be late. Number two, uh, we versus I. We close two crore revenue. And I was like, okay, I want to know what I did. He says, what? So I don't need to know what we did in that deal. I need to know what I did in that deal. What is your individual contribution? What was your specific individual contribution in that deal? Can you articulate that for me? Because you know what sales managers know when you're talking about a non-standard deal in a typical sales environment, if the average deal size is say 100K, I'm just giving a random number here in, in the field that you're working and suddenly you claim that you've done a 500K, you closed a 500K deal. Question is how? So then don't go about making motherhood gener- generic statements like we did this, and as if you, you know, or the you you were leading that team to close that. Cut it down and say I specifically contributed in this part of the sales cycle. And That's why I always like to use that STAR format. Situation was this, the task at hand was this, the action I took was this, and the result I delivered was this. This was my individual business impact. Now have adequate data points to back that result. Why not there's? There will be a follow up question to that. that how, how come this happens if this is the classical conversion rates? How did you manage to get it higher and those kind of things? So if you have adequate backup data, then this enough suffices the sales manager that you know what you're talking about. Next, spot the faker. How do we spot someone who's faking it? Well, I, I just told you, right? Those who fake their conversations generally don't uh, make eye contact. And this is to do with the last point, which I mentioned, poor body language. They have all sorts of uh, non-relevant answers to specific questions. So can you give me a scenario where you increased revenue conversion from 10% to 15% as mentioned in your resume here? And then the answer to that is well what we did we ran marketing campaigns and we had a lot of good leads and we closed the deal that is not the answer and that's where you know that the person is faking it they just haven't really done their homework or they actually haven't done it worse still i mean there are two types of people right one who get their resumes done by somebody else and so they are at a loss of how to articulate what's there in the in in their resumes and then there are those who have actually not done it but somehow managed to download a template and you know just uh, change the wordings and or sometimes you know, they don't change the wordings and keep the numbers and now when some hoping that no 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 one will notice, but uh, that's also the Murphy's Law that people do notice. It, it strikes out. You know, we see as leaders, we see so much of data that when some data is all right, it immediately catches our attention. And that's the power of skimming that leaders develop over a period of time. We really don't need to go through line by line, but once or twice when we glance through your resume in the 10, 15 seconds that we can give it our attentions. Usually most leaders pick up that oh this seems out of place here this this doesn't seem right and then we investigate that further so do not present any data that you cannot back up with not just one but at least two relevant examples that not only did i did this but there was this other instance otherwise if you just have this one example it might often come across as a fluke this was all by chance, luck, somehow this person managed to land it. So yeah, well, not such a big deal. So the fact that is repetitive, it's repeatable. That means that you were driving it, you are in control and so on. Have facts which you can back up with claims. Next, attitude without data is like dosa without oil. So there's a thin line between being overconfident and having a positive attitude. Of course, you need to be positive and smart and all that thing. This is part of the traditional classical sales psyche, as it were, or sales presentations, if you will. But many people tend to go overboard. You know, they you know recline back. I have seen folks turn up to interviews with their ties loosened. Now, if you don't want to wear a tie, that's fine. I mean, go by the company code. Have a quiet word with the uh, coordinator, HR coordinator and check with them. What is the dress code? Are you allowed normal formal clothes? Do you need a jacket? Do you need to wear a tie? Do you need to be uber formal? Typically, if it is a customer facing role, you'd want to present yourself exactly the way you would present yourself with an actual customer. In this case, the interviewer is your customer. And so how do you dress up? How do you sit? Uh, Are you reclining back? Are you? You know, shaking your legs. Are you tapping the table, making facial gestures, looking here and there? What is it that you're doing? so what attitude are you trying to show? And not just in your body language and posture, but also in your vocabulary. Sometimes people get into this ego battle. It's like, uh, yeah, take it or leave it. You know, the other companies I was getting that much more and like, don't bring these kind of attitudes to uh, interviews if you have to do something do it just like the famous dialogue in the good the bad the ugly and if you haven't seen it do see it guy says if you have to shoot shoot don't talk All right so if, if if you see that this interview is going south and it's not you're not gelling well then you know take a stance politely and say hey look uh, maybe you know we should revisit this at a later point i don't think uh, we can take this forward and then exit without burning bridges because you never know who you will interact with in in this job cycle if you will at a later point innumerable times there have been instances where people have landed up being their bosses or their colleagues or their peers like oh god I had such a terrible experience with them and here they are sitting next to me and those kind of things happen so even if it doesn't right and it's always preferred. Good to be professional, be normal, be neutral, be earnest. Like I said, you need the job, but you're not desperate for it. Uh, Maintain your stance and gravitas, but also don't become this uh, God's gift to humankind. Like, feel good, feel lucky that I've even arrived for this interview. You know, don't want to give out that kind of uh, attitude. Uh, So, yeah. Next, uh, <laughs> this is fun. No relevant questions. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, right? At the end of the interview, you usually have this cursory. Do you have any questions for me? And the most common answer is no, I think I'm on set. People want to are in a hurry to finish the call as soon as possible. It is also indicative of, uh, you know, some of the sales managers might think, that is this how this person is going to be with the customers, like be in a hurry to hang up before the customer actually hangs up or exit the meeting or end the meeting before the customer actually wants to end the meeting, leaving money on the table or any of that stuff, right? So relax, ask a relevant, genuine. Don't ask this big uh, strategy level questions like somebody asked, right? So what do you think Mr. Satya Nadella will do next for Microsoft's growth? Like, oh, that ask what is relevant to your role? What is it that you will do in your capacity? What is the charter of the role in three years time? Do you think it will change? Do you see it uh, diversify? Uh, how was the previous three years in this role? What were the big challenges or ask that the fact that you've been in this organization for uh, so many years, what has been your highlight, uh, what, what keeps you motivated and stuff like that. I have this favorite question and you may choose to use it or not as like, fast forward one year. So we are in say February of 2023, fast forward December of 2024, 31st December 2024. What constitutes a good job? What do in your opinion do you think that here are the three things if I do that equals a good job done for this role and let them be specific about it. And then you know, that when you get appraised when you get evaluated same time end of next year then you know what is it that you need to do and you also self-evaluate can you do it are you able to do it will you be able to do it the self-assessment question is like basically you know letting you know that if they say yes then you should be ready to execute the role it shouldn't be that they say yes and it's a oops this is not what i think i can do and so these are intelligent questions right? so you ask them that what constitutes a good job and then feed off it and then don't don't go off another 30 questions right They're already the fag end of the interview so wrap it up quickly good so the last one poor body language need i say more not to make eye contact slouching taking calls and texting in between is absolute sacrilege Please do not do that for heaven's sake. No matter how important. Keep your phone on silent. Yes, if there is an emergency, then it is a completely different uh, situation. But 30 minutes or one hour is the max time that you will be at an interview, right? Can you make sure that you let people know that for the next one hour, if there is any emergency only, then they should call you. That's your immediate family. But for every other extended place, you can you know, say switch off the mobile completely. Don't even keep it on mute or anything, just switch it off. Have a dedicated, peaceful conversation. Let nothing distract you. Hmm. Likewise, uh, having turning up shabbily dressed. Now, I've always maintained that you don't need to dress up in a three piece suit. Understand the culture code of the company and dress appropriately. But it is always good to maintain a degree of formality because it's your first impression. And it's always people like to see people who are fresh, enthusiastic, energetic, full of vibe, you know, if that role demands so, you know what I'm saying, especially now you're talking about a sales role, right? So people will always view it with a lens of how will this person interact with the customer So keep that body language in mind. So those were the seven points that happen or the classic mistakes that happen during the course of the interview. I'm sure there are more if there are more, do leave a message or send me a tweet that, you know, you missed this point. Leave a comment, voice message anywhere or send me an email. And uh, and I'll try and give you a shout out the next episode and see if you can have a side episode, if you will, or a quick episode where we can address that particular point. Anywho, let's move on to the next part. Post the interview. What are the classic mistakes that happen post the interview? One of the classic mistakes people do again is not to send a thank you note after the interview is over. It's absolutely fine to ask for an email that, hey, I just wanted to send you um, a thank you note and would love to remain in touch with you. And if the person is reluctant to share their official ID, ask for the LinkedIn email connect is it all right if I send you a LinkedIn invite, would you be open to accepting my invite? And if they do, make sure you send them a thank you note for spending time with you. That way you build bridges, you build your network and even if you don't land the role, you will still be in touch with the person. So absolutely send a follow-up thank you note after the interview, which almost no one never does. Likewise, exiting the interview is never uh, something which is given enough importance, interviews done, the questions answered. Before you exit, you know, one final question, and this is a very fun question for you to ask is, you know, we spend the last 30 minutes or one hour, whatever the time that you were interviewing, uh, discussing so many things. Is there anything in specific in particular that you would want me to revisit before we exit today? You know the what happens? Whatever the objection they might have at the top of their mind recall, that'll that's the one to blurt out up front. And so you know that is where you went wrong. That's a super check because people are in flow. As much as you are in a flow, they are in a flow. And so you ask at that moment, hey, spend the last 30 minutes. Is there something you want me to specifically revisit or give you an additional example? Or are you all clear? You give them a slight exit route as well. If they say, no, 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 I think I understand your profile well, where you're coming from, Uh, I will, I'm satisfied. Then you know, they are not good to share, but you tried. Most, in many cases, people blurt out their first objection. Yeah, could you, you know, I liked your profile, but somewhere uh, I could have got a little more, deeper into that deal that you explained earlier about closing in a territory which traditionally had not done well. Immediately and again don't go for a 30 minute answer there. I will say fair point. Let me quickly give you one more statistic against that just to you know complete and plug that hole if at all. Give a quick snap and this is the time where to think on your feet come up with a strong statistic that, you know, this was the before and this is the after. Before I was in that territory, this was the situation. After, here is the output and here is what I did, one or two things. And finish the answer in less than two minutes. So when you exit, you would have at least subconsciously sown that seed in the interviewer's mind. But huh, what I was thinking is a doubt. Probably uh, the person deserves one more round or maybe... That was the only doubt. And so I think he or she qualifies for the role. So try these things, right? And you never know uh, where you might uncover and which deal you might get through. Okay, (laughs) I hope you enjoy that. I just, I get very passionate about it, right? I just love these interactions. And there's a ton of data that comes through uh, with such interactions and you learn You improve as a leader as well, but you also try to help people along the way. And we've been uh, through many cycles where we have learned to become so compartmentalized that even though before your interview, there have been instances where we had tough love conversations or whatever. But when we cross over that uh, huddled room, then we can leave that behind and be very objective and neutral and completely focused on you. So do not assume that leaders carry baggage and they're not focusing on what you do. And there are some and it's not for today's episode. I'll in 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 my next episode, this was for from a job seeker standpoint. i would probably have an episode from a leaders interviewing standpoint, what mistakes they make and there are a ton of them there. So we'll keep that content for uh, a subsequent episode. But for now, these were a few mistakes that you want to think about. See, idea is not to completely overall your game right i'm not asking you to overall the stuff that you've been comfortable doing and but what has been your win ratio would you want it to improve are you satisfied if if you're satisfied if something's working well for you god bless man i mean i've always maintained do whatever that works best ww that's the best best strategy I was about to say best test. That's the best test strategy of all time. You know, whatever floats your boat. Absolutely. But if it isn't floating your boat and you're sinking right at the end and just when you thought you would probably cross over and you didn't. And it has happened not just once, twice, but multiple times. That is the time when you probably want to look inwards a little bit, reset, reassess, a little tweak here and a little tweak there. And who knows, your conversion ratios might go up. And so the next time you land up for an interview, you just crack it. And if you do, Please let me know. Please let me know. I'd be very thrilled for you. Uh, And share your stories, share your happiness. And uh, I'd be happy to, uh, you know, give you guys a shout out to and let other people know how you were before and what you changed and how it impacted you. So that's all the time I had for this episode, my friend. I hope you enjoyed the after hours bus talk episode on the LinkedIn audio event. It's on Fridays, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. India time anywhere around the world. You can log in. It's free. It's a general chit chat. It doesn't require any formal conversations. We pick up one topic every week, and I generally invite some of the people I'm very comfortable with. And or even if there's nobody, you know me, I'm happy to have these conversations with you at the end of this 20, 25 minutes or 30 minutes of you know discussing about the topic we open it up for Q&A's and then people get to ask whatever they want to and so all of you are invited if you know anybody who loves this kind of an exchange or would benefit from it please do share this with them let them come over and uh, share their two cents and uh, make sure that you are there for next Friday's after office hours I'm sure there will be a very fascinating topic uh, waiting for you till then Stay well, stay safe, keep getting your A-game to work. This is your host, Ayan, and you were listening to Bus Talk. Peace out.